The scripture reading for today is Psalm 130. It's on your bulletin on page 11 and will also be projected above. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. The word of the Lord. As we dig in to this passage today, um, kids, a couple things for you to listen for. The first one is just a brief uh, music lesson. Uh, second one is the, the Bifrost. And third, iPhone uh, pickups. So, um, kids, that's where we're going. Music lesson, Bifrost, iPhone pickups. So, uh, let, me, let me pray for us. Lord God, you are kind in all that you do. Thank you for your word. It is truth and life to us. Uh, feed us by it. Work in our hearts by your spirit. Give us great grace and mercy today, we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. As we dig in this summer, we've been going through the Psalms of Ascent, working through uh, this section of one, Psalm 120 through 134. These songs that would have been used by the nation of Israel as they traveled up to Jerusalem uh, for the regular uh, feasts throughout the calendar year. And they would have sung them, and we've said some of them are, are really joyful and um, triumphant even. Some are laments. And some of them, like this one, is a little bit harder to classify. Uh, it starts in a lament, and it works its way up. It's, it's interesting. This is the one that um, scholars tend to think maybe gave the Psalms of Ascent their name because each verse is like a stair step. And you can kind of feel that even, Wade and the band led us earlier in From the Depths of Woe, which is Martin Luther's interpretation of Psalm 130. He, he does like a versification, and so he kind of writes on each verse. And then we, we sing that, and you can feel it even in the start of that song and the, the movement of it, right? So that little white thing, kids, if you've never seen that before, that's a banjo. Um, it's mostly in tune most of the time, and Wade does a great job playing it, but it gives this different feel. Did you, did you notice that? And, and the song starts in a minor key. So minor would, would be a little moody, um, maybe a little darker, right? Um, happy birthday would be like a major, right? You sing that, it's like a major key. Uh, minor key is gonna, gonna have a little more emotion. There's more tension. Uh, it's longing to have this resolution. And so what happens, you start out in those verses, they're slow, they're in a minor key, we're using the banjo, and you sort of feel the depths of it. And as you move through the song, right, Wade does the like quick pit stop change 
back to the guitar to a major, you know, like the last couple of verses, he's playing major chords, not minor chords. And uh, it, there's some speed to it, right? It picks up and you feel the sense of the movement of the song. And that's exactly what you're supposed to feel as we read this psalm even. You're supposed to feel the movement from the depths to, to the heights, to this corporate worship that happens at the end in seven and eight. And th this is not an unfamiliar movement in the scriptures, right? If you um, were to chart, if you were to graph the Bible, right, Genesis one and two, so basically the first page of the Bible, start way up high. <laughs> God creates everything by the word of his mouth. He creates Adam and Eve. It's beautiful. It's good. All of these wonderful things are happening. And then before you almost get off the first page, everything's broken in the fall. And so you've dropped to the complete depths. And the whole story from the second page of the Bible on to the end is God redeeming a people to himself bringing us from the depths to the heights of the new creation in heaven. It's also all over various psalms. We find this, uh, this trajectory in a ton of other psalms. We find it in the book of Romans, right? One of, the, um, one of the things that's hard about Romans is the first chapter gets really thick in the weeds of sin really quickly. But you've got to see the bad news to understand what makes the good news good. Ephesians 2 is similar. Uh, listen just to the first few verses of Ephesians 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That is not a good picture of us. And yet it's completely accurate, 100%. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. And then you get to verse 4, the gracious conjunction, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. But God works through to overcome the depths of sin that his people are in. Psalm 130 gives us a couple of different windows into what this journey of faith really looks like. We're going to look at the cry of the people. We're going to look at remembering, at waiting, and then at sharing our hope. Verses 1 and 2 start in the depths. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. There's a, um, this picture that we get is uh, darkness. It's um, black water, right? This is like deadliest catch 
kind of stuff. If you guys have ever seen that show before, right? It's these really brave, crazy, macho, like Alaskan crab fishermen, and they're out on the water, and there are these like 50-foot swells, and all of this crazy stuff is happening. It's the middle of the night. There's lightning and thunder, and the water, it, it is ferocious, and, and that's the picture of the Bible, this chaos. Anytime water is mentioned, the depths, it is this picture of chaos and destruction. This fierce, there's a fierceness to it. Maybe some of you know this place. Some of you who've walked with Jesus may know what these depths are feel like. You, you may know them now. Even uh, in Isaiah, Jesus being acquainted with grief is a picture for us of these depths. We know sorrow. We know what it is to suffer. We know what it is to be afraid of the future or of a doctor's appointment or of a recession or of a pandemic or of the start of the school year. Uh, hard to believe it's even coming this quickly. But all of those things can put us into a place of the depths. The depths here we learn in verse 3 is even a little more specific. The depths that the psalmist is talking about are the depths of sin. He's feeling the weight of his guilt and shame. And maybe some of you are even feeling that weight right now. That thing you did that you could never forgive yourself for, much less could God ever forgive you. Maybe you feel the tension of the relational damage or what other damage that that has caused. We feel the weight of our guilt and our shame. We medicate and we escape and we distract. We do all of the things and yet the psalmist here cries out. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, there's a quote on the um, inside of your bulletin, says this, the depths usually silence all they engulf, but they could not close the mouth of this servant of the Lord. On the contrary, it was in the abyss itself that he cried unto Jehovah. Beneath the floods, prayer lived and struggled. Yea, above the roar of the billows rose the cry of faith. Um, Our Boys, we took our boys to see the new Thor movie. Some of you may have seen that. And we did some catch up on some of the previous Thor movies. And the thing that stuck in my mind as I heard this and thought about it was the the Bifrost, right? It's this link uh, for the Asgardians through all the different realms, right? Just nerd out with me for a second. And basically, wherever they go, Thor just calls to Heimdall, right? And says, Bifrost, right? Or whatever, something. Open the Bifrost. And then all of a sudden, what happens? This like rainbow light comes down and it like sucks them up and it takes them back home. And wherever they are, in the midst of whatever is about to happen, right, he's about to get eaten by this massive monster, right, and he calls out for the Bifrost and he's saved, (laughs) right? And there is something to that here, that not even the depths, not even the darkness could prevent our prayers from being heard. God longs 
to hear our prayers. And it is as if he is waiting, because he is, to hear us call out to him, to cry out to him for help. This is another uh, quote that's printed in your bulletin from James Vaughn. There are many kinds and degrees of prayer in the world, from the coldest form Right, that would be like the most rote, kind of, maybe you read it or something like that. To the most intense agony, everyone prays, but very few cry. But of those who do cry to God, the majority would say, I owe it to the depths. I learned it there. I often prayed before, but never till I was carried down very deep did I cry. The psalmist here gives us an example that the journey of faith often involves this crying out from the depths to the one who is ready to give mercy. Verse two, let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. We cry out from the depths to God who hears and answers our prayers. He gives mercy. Now, I should say, just a side note here, that there are those of us who feel like we can't talk about what's going on with us. We can't go to anyone with our struggles. And I would just encourage you, one of the things that I have loved in this church, uh, as I've been working here the last few months and we've been attending since 2019, the older saints that go to this church are a humongous gift to our church. Uh, I've had a lot of conversations since I started in this job, and it can be easy for Trinity to feel like, because there are like a thousand kids up here at the end of the, every service, it can feel like it's like, just a bunch of us young, whatever, can't, we don't know, can't get our way out of a paper bag, we can't, it's really hard for us. There are people in this church who have known and loved Jesus for a long time, and they are a gift to us. So if you are struggling, if you are in the depths, find someone. Find someone older to talk to, to get help, to hear their experiences of God's faithfulness in giving his mercy. If you need a counselor, we can help you find a counselor. We have uh, Susan's on staff as our women's ministry coordinator. We have women's shepherding team folks on, uh, who are helping us care for people in the church, your community group leaders. There are resources available to you. You are not alone. We'll talk about that as we get to the end of this psalm. But you are not in this alone. As you cry out, God hears you and your church is here to help you as well. The second thing this journey of faith uh, needs is a remembering of the gospel. Look at verses 3 and 4. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. The reason our cries for mercy work is because God sent Jesus to accomplish the things that we couldn't. If God had not sent Jesus to live a perfect life in our place, if he'd not sent Jesus to die a substitutionary death in our place, if he'd not sent Jesus to be raised from the dead, to conquer sin and death once and for all, 1 Corinthians, Paul says, we would be the, we would be the biggest fools. 
but it really happened. The gospel is true. If you marked iniquities, O Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, everything that we said and thought and did, things that we should have done but we didn't, if you keep that record, none of us could stand. But God kept a record of Jesus' perfection. All the things that he did to obey the commands of God. He did that perfectly. And as we put our trust and our faith in Jesus, as he is our righteousness, as we're clothed with him, that is our record. It's preposterous. It doesn't make sense. It should not be true that God can look at you and see the righteousness of Jesus. It makes no sense, and yet it is the grace and the mercy of Jesus towards us. So we cry out. We remember the gospel. We would never stand. We could never stand before God on our own merit. The idea in our society that hopefully the good things that we do will outweigh our bad, it's hogwash. There's no way. It's impossible. One bad thing on our record disqualifies us. We're out of the game. We cannot stand. And yet, because of God's great mercy to us, there is forgiveness. You should feel the awe of that. That's what it means that you may be feared. We should feel the, the reverence, the, the amazing grace of this passage. We remember the gospel. In this journey of faith, we also wait. Verses 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. And my, my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. Um, we are terrible waiting, at waiting. Uh, we ordered a couple things from Amazon this week. Feels like we order all the things from Amazon most weeks, but we ordered a couple things. And there was great disappointment in my heart that it wasn't like, it'll be here by two this afternoon. And it was like 11.15 in the morning, right? And that I am trained that next day, if it arrives tomorrow, right, prime is insufficient. I need like same day. I need it now, but I need it with the convenience of not having to go anywhere. And I need some like saint to just drop it at the door. And when we are attempting to wait, right, maybe on your drive here even, what happens at a stoplight? Check our phone. We might have gotten an email since the last stop, stoplight. We have to answer a text right away because what if that person that texted us doesn't get a text back in seven seconds? Our friendship is over. Uh, there's a way, maybe you've done this. I actually try not to do this very often. Um, but there's a way you can go into settings. If you have an Android, I think you can do this too. Um, on an iPhone, you can go into screen time, and then you click on see all activity. And if you scroll down, it shows you how often you use all your apps. 
But there's this thing in there called iPhone pickups. Do you know about this? And it will show you the number of times that you pick your phone up off the nightstand or off the desk or off the wherever you have it, out of your pocket, and you pick it up and turn it on, right? It, it like lights up at you. Um, I was going to have you guys all pull your phones out, and um, we were going to do a little survey. Uh, but then I looked at mine, and I'd have to be completely honest about how many times I pick up my phone, and so I changed it. Um, so... Uh, I, I'm convicted this week that I pick up my phone because I don't like to wait. Um, and it, you, some of it's valid, right? Somebody might be in an emergency. There might be something I need to respond to. One of the kids may need something or whatever. But like a lot of times, it's just the restlessness of my heart. And somehow the phone just placates me. A little bit. Y'all, are y'all with me on that? You know what that feels like? Are you, um, you just turned into like a anonymous, iPhone anonymous, whatever. But um, it, we are terrible at waiting. And I, what I want you to see here, maybe, some of you may have worked night shifts. Maybe some of you were in the military and you were a sentry and you had night shift stuff. I, I have not. I've done maybe a couple of that couple times in my life, but um, the, the idea here is a, f- a focus and a posture that, that I think is foreign to a lot of us. Um, and I, th- I think the, the posture, I heard one uh, commentator, one pastor talk about it like this, desperate confidence. That's the posture. There is a confidence that the Lord is going to answer. He is going to be faithful in giving mercy to his people. With God, there is forgiveness. And so there is this confident leaning into the hope of the gospel, but there is this desperate need for it. There's this hunger for it. In the, in the, in the long stretches of the night, when you're waiting for, for the sun to rise, when the chaos of the darkness, when uh, the fears of enemy attack, if just the sun would come up, if, just, if it would just be day, there is this leaning in to counting down the seconds until God would show his faithfulness. And I think one of the things that the psalmist is saying here is that the sun has always risen since creation and God said let there be day and let there be night the sun has always risen and that's the confidence that we lean into is God going to be faithful to his promises did the sun rise today if the sun rose today yes God is going to be faithful to his promises is it going to rise tomorrow yes you might go through hell to get to the sun rising tomorrow. But is the sun going to rise? Yes. Is God faithful to his promises? Yes. We wait with desperate confidence. We hope in the Lord. Verses 7 and 8 take it to the next step. In this journey of faith, we cry out, we remember the gospel, we wait and we share our hope. This is the picture. Um, some of you remember we use it quite a bit in our service in the confession liturgy. Psalm 51, 
right? David has committed great sin with Bathsheba, killed uh, Uriah. He's done all of these things, and he writes this confession, Psalm 51. And at the end of the psalm, it talks about him proclaiming the Lord's love and forgiveness to other people. It's like the forgiveness isn't actually fully complete until it's shared. And that's exactly what's happening here in 7 and 8. O Lord, hope, O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. this This may not have happened, but the way I picture this psalm happening as people are walking, it could even be that you have to go up the steps to get into the temple. And it might be that this psalm was even used on the steps. And what I picture is somebody from the nation of Israel saying, I'm in the depths. My guilt and my shame is ever before me. I'm in the depths. But with God, there is forgiveness. And they say, they kind of turn around on the steps and they turn around and say to everybody else who's coming up, Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. And then they go a couple more steps and somebody else says, Well, this is my depths. This is where I've struggled. This is where my guilt and shame has come and made itself known in my life. This is where I've struggled. This is the darkness in my life. With God, there's forgiveness. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. And they take a few more steps and somebody else pops up. And somebody, may not have ever happened that way, but I think that there's some validity to that that it was used in this very individual way, right? And I have felt in the depths, but as the Lord has brought me out of that, now I want to call you to that same hope, even if you're not in the same depths as me. I wanna call you to that hope. One of the things that we've talked about as a staff uh, before Brian left for sabbatical, we did some fall ministry planning, and um, we started this kind of right before the pandemic, I guess. There were these stories of grace where uh, some folks would share their stories. I think you may remember Walt and Lauren shared their story, and um, really beautiful, and um, we're going to do more of that this year. There's going to be an emphasis for us as a church of sharing our stories of grace, So it may be in Sunday school, as Sunday school starts this fall, every other week after the service, uh, we'll have some opportunities for folks to share their story. In our community groups, one of the things that we're going to try to do in community groups this fall is to have people share their story of grace. Where has God been at work? How has he brought you from the depths to the heights? Where is he maybe in process of doing that? Where has the gospel been made more real to you? And so I would just encourage you, if you're not in a community group, get into a community group. Find a group of people that you can share your story with. Participate with us this year as we think about these stories, sharing how God has been at work in us. This is not a self-congratulatory, like, look how amazing we are. It is the stories of rescue. It's, it's to give God glory and to give him honor and praise for the work that he has done. With him, 
is steadfast love and plentiful redemption. He is the one who redeems Israel from all his iniquities. It's a great hope that the thing that binds us together as a church is not our collective, like, we've got our act together, right? And the thing that makes you fit in here at Trinity is that you have the perfect family and that your kids are always obedient and that your job is really going great. And sometimes it can feel like that, that there has to be this, like, perfect marriage, perfect kids, perfect job, perfect what. No, the thing that binds us together as a family is that we've all in some level and to some extent been redeemed by a God who is faithful in mercy, to give mercy. And one who has redeemed us with him is forgiveness. And so you can come and you can be completely different than the person sitting next to you. And yet what you share is that God is at work. He's bringing glory to himself as he redeems you, as he draws you to himself, as he gives you mercy and forgiveness, and then gives you the ability to talk about and to share that story of grace with others. We need you here in our church because we need to hear these stories. We need to be encouraged by the ways that God is at work. There are moments in all of our lives where it feels like maybe he's distant, where we've sunk back under into the depths, and we need to hear from one another that redemption is possible, that with God is forgiveness, steadfast love, and plentiful redemption. Let's pray. Lord God, again, thank you for your love to us. Uh, It can be hard to believe that you are good when we're in the depths. And yet, Lord, as we face the bad news about our sin and our guilt and our shame, we we know that you display your loving kindness towards us. Would you make us a people that are bold to hope in you, even in our own darkness, even in our depths? People that would lean into the hope of the resurrection with desperate confidence. Would you meet us as we partake of this meal? Would you be more real to us today? Would your hope, the hope of the resurrection, be more real to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.